0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor
1: Well, thank you, and welcome to the show With today's ability to create fictional characters That are almost indistinguishable from the real thing It's kind of hard to go back to a time when audiences could be fooled into thinking that a person could cloud men's minds so as to be invisible and to be able to converse with others and affect the outcome of dangerous situations. Such was the case back in the 30s and early 40s when The Whistler was heard on the radio. Each episode of The Whistler began with the sound of footsteps and a person whistling. The same radio series with Vincent Price used a similar opening. The haunting signature theme tune was composed by Wilbur Hatch and featured Dorothy Roberts whistling with an orchestra. A character known only as the Whistler was the host and narrator of the tales, which focused on crime and fate. He often commented directly on the action, taunting the characters guilty or innocent. The stories followed a formula in which a person's criminal acts were typically undone either by an overlooked but important detail or by the criminal's own stupidity. An ironic ending, often grim, was a key feature of each episode. Bill Foreman had the title role of The Whistler for the longest period of time. Others who portrayed The Whistler at various times were Gail Gordon, Joseph Kearns, Marvin Miller, announcer for The Whistler and The Bickersons, and later the actor who portrayed Michael Anthony on TV's The Millionaire. Bill Johnston, who had the title role on Radios of the Shadow from 38 to 43, and Everett Clark. Now, cast members included Betty Lou Gearson, Hans Conried, Joseph Kearns, Laureen Tuttle, and Jack Webb. And now, tonight's episode, Flee from Evil.
2: And now, stay tuned for the mystery program that is unique among all mystery programs, Because even when you know who is guilty, you always receive a startling surprise at the final curtain. In the Signal Oil program, The Whistler. Signal, the famous go-farther gasoline, invites you to sit back and enjoy another strange story. By The Whistler.
3: There was almost complete darkness around the parked car on the lonely road on the outskirts of Seattle, and the man at the wheel, heavy set and 50-ish, tried to peer through this darkness. He couldn't see, but he could imagine what was taking place some 50 yards further up the road. A raised gun, careful aim, and then... The shots that Bert Macklin was waiting to hear, shots followed by the sound of running feet. A few moments later, Bert's nephew had run to the car, leaped inside, and Bert had the motor running, the car in gear, moving forward. Swing around, Uncle Bert. We'll, we'll go back the way we came. Right. You got him? Yes. Yes, I got him. Hey, look out, Jake. you're getting off the road, we'll get stuck. Here, I step. Oh, no, we've got to get out of here. You keep stepping on it, now I'll give her a push.
4: Two. Three. Happy. She's free. Come on.
3: Now, let's, let's go, Uncle Ben. Get us away from here. Fast. Ah, nothing to worry about now, Freddie. Uh, you're sure you took care of him? Uh, that's what I came here for, all the way from London. Yes, I, I took care of him, I'm sure. You didn't get a look at him? No, it was too dark, but he was sitting at the wheel of his car, and I I, I slipped up alongside. I see. Well, maybe it's over, really over, at last. Uh, there's no maybe about it. All right, but, well, after a month of paying off, wondering when I'd be tapped again, it doesn't seem possible that I'm rid of him, Freddy. Uh, inheriting money does have its drawbacks, hmm? Decidedly. Good thing the fellow was only getting started. Even my entire inheritance could go fast that way. Yeah. You better slow down, Uncle Bert. We're almost into time. We'll go directly back to the party. Give some excuse. And Freddy, Hmm? you've done me a great favor. Yes, and you're going to show your appreciation, of course. Our bargain, you know? I'll never forget this. Your help. What you just did back there. It'll be healthier for me if you do forget it right now. Killing a man, even a blackmailer, will... There's some sort of law, isn't there, Uncle Bert? I prefer the other law. The one you mentioned early this
4: evening. An eye for an eye.
3: Yes, you did say that, didn't you, Fred? An eye for an eye. You were quite willing to lend a hand, so eager to cooperate. You feel a surge of confidence back at the house facing the others, as Uncle Bert extends his apologies for being away. Oh, sorry, Lloyd. Veronica, we didn't intend to be gone so long, you know. Quite all right, Uncle. We went for a spin in Uncle Beth's new car. He's already imagining all sorts of things wrong with it. (laughs) Oh, not at all. I I just wanted Freddie to try it out. He's very handy with machines, you know.
5: My, he is
4: talented, isn't he? Oh,
3: I don't know, Veronica. Uh, say, where's uh, Uncle Frank?
4: Oh, uh, he left here shortly after you two did. Said he suddenly remembered a business appointment.
3: Oh. A business appointment? Frank had a business appointment? Wait, uh... Must have been rather important for him to walk out when so many drinks are being passed around.
5: Drinks? Oh, now, look here, Freddy. If any drinks were passed, they were passed right by me.
3: Huh? Oh, I'm sorry what we told Mrs. Fell to act as hostess uh, till we got oh, back.
5: Oh, your uncle's housekeeper made it quite clear to us that if we wanted any drinks while you two were gone, we'd have to fix them ourselves. Dinner, she said, is the only thing she'd attend to this evening. Oh, uh, did
3: she? <laughs> well, I told her we'd only be gone a little while, you old... Gargoyle.
5: Oh, come now,
3: Freddy. <laughs> Look, I'll attend to the drinks right away. Uh, why don't we all go into the bar? Oh, hmm? yeah, Wonderful yeah, idea. Sure. Are ah. uh, you coming, Uncle Bert? Uncle Bert? Huh? Oh, oh, yes. Oh, Freddy, just a minute. Uh, what's the matter? Frank. Freddy, you don't suppose Frank's the one? Uncle Frank. What? No, I never thought of that. It is funny, His having a business appointment just after we left the party to keep our appointment with your blackmailer. Could have been, you know. We'll find out soon enough. There's not much we can do now. No. Oh, I can't believe it, Uncle Frank. Oh, Frank's not really your uncle, Freddie. He's my half-brother. I wouldn't put it past him sponging off me the way he's been doing Though. Well, who could that be? Uh, let's see.
4: Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, let's see now. You'd be Mr. Burt Macklin and you'd be Mr. Friend. Oh, what, what is it? My card. Hmm?
3: Sidney Hocker, private investigator. I don't understand, Mr.
4: Hocker. You will. I'd like to come in for a little talk, if you don't mind. Oh, that, that's quite impossible. We have dinner guests. Oh, of course. Naturally, you wouldn't want them to hear what I had to say.
3: Now, see here. What, what is the nature of your business?
4: Hey, it all ties in rather neatly with that little display you and Freddy here put on a little while ago in the outskirts of town.
3: Oh. Uh,
4: Fred, I think we'd best step outside. Close the door. Now, Mr. Harker, if you'll get to the point. Well, that shooting a little while ago, that was me that Freddy boy pumped those bullets into. Or rather, was my overcoat. Yeah, uh, you'll notice the holes. What's it? Yeah, I uh, rolled up a few blankets, put my overcoat around them, my hat on top, and left it slumped over the wheel of the car. Ah, oh. I shot at a dummy. I see. Merely acting on behalf of my client. Client? That's right. These days, I'm forced to take anything that comes along. Ah, uh, now to the business at hand, gents. As you know, my client has definite proof, Mr. Macklin, that the death of a former associate of yours was anything but accidental. Your uh, former associate's name was Edward Wilson. This information could be dropped into a mailbox to the police. Unless I pay. You see,
3: Freddie, it isn't over.
4: What do you want, Mr. Hawker? How much? Well, my client feels in view of what's happened this evening, the attempted murder, that uh, this payment should be five thousand. Five thousand?
3: Freddie, do you uh, take he's... it easy, Uncle there We haven't any choice. Uh, where do we deliver the money, Mr. Hawker?
4: My office will do, Freddy, boy. Say about, uh, nine tomorrow evening. Good night, John.
3: We're Freddy. Beaten. Through. <laughs> it's funny. Funny? I fail to see the humor of it. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a murderer after all, am I? <laughs> no, that's right. You're not. During dinner, you watch your Uncle Bert closely. His eyes wander about the table, settling on one guest and then another. And you know what he's thinking about, don't you? Uncle Frank could still be the blackmailer, couldn't he? You know that thought is going through your Uncle Bert's mind. Then there's Lloyd Gillis, an associate at the lumberman. He could be Mr. Hawker's client. Yes. Either one of them could know about Bert's dead colleague, the one who was supposed to have committed suicide. And occasionally, Freddie. You feel Uncle Bert's eyes around you, too. Dinner over, you take Veronica home. Then return to the house. Find Uncle Bert has something on his mind. Freddie, Huh? This girl, Veronica. What do you know about her? Well, how much does one know about anyone you meet on a boat trip? Why? I was just wondering about her. Oh, you mean you think that she could... Oh, no, that's nonsense. She, she's just here visiting her sick sister, helping out for a bit, that's all. No, if you ask me, Uncle Frank's your blackmailer. It could be anybody, Freddie. Even you. Me? Oh, oh, now really, isn't that a bit thick? Are you forgetting you asked me to come here all the way from London a month ago to help you out? Yes, I did ask you. We made a bargain. You were to help me get this blackmailer off my neck. In return, I was to make you my sole heir. Yes. And if I might point out, you had already been approached by the blackmailer while I was still in London. That's right. I had been approached, but through an intermediary. That's something else I've been thinking about. Why should a blackmailer share his good fortune with a go-between, eh? Because he doesn't wish to reveal his identity to me, or because he doesn't happen to be on the scene at the moment. He could be anywhere, even in London, Freddy. Oh, really, Uncle Bert, you're letting this thing get you. (laughs) No, no, you'd better stick with Uncle Frank for your blackmailer. Well, I, I'm going to turn in, get some sleep. Um, you'll have the money tomorrow night, hmm? Yes. I'll see what I can do. Good night, Freddy. You're worried, aren't you, Fred? Because the thing that brought you here from London, your Uncle Bert's money he's promised to leave you in his will, is slowly slipping away. And you're powerless to prevent it. Yes, Uncle Bert's past is threatening your future. And you're even more certain of it the following evening as you sit in Sid Hocker's office and wait as he calls his client.
4: Hello, this is Hocker. Yes, he's here now. But with only half the money. I know, but he says the rest is tied up at the moment.
3: It'll be a week at least before he can manage the rest.
4: He says he'll have the rest in another week. Right. What? Got it. My client isn't very happy, Freddy Boy. But he is giving us more time. One week, Freddy Boy. No more. It's
3: while you're walking back to the house that an idea strikes you suddenly. You want to find Uncle Bert's blackmailer, don't you? Yes. But instead of getting rid of him, you wonder about joining forces with him. Then you could start collecting on Uncle Bert's money now, rather than wait years to inherit it. Inside the house, you hurry to the telephone, pick it up, and toy with a dial, counting the clicks. Interesting, isn't it, Fred? If you can learn to count the clicks perfectly. And listen again when Sid Hocker calls his client. And then remember the sound pattern. You'd have it, wouldn't you, Fred? The phone number of your uncle's blackmailer. Once you know that, Fred, you can contact the blackmailer directly. Offer him your valuable assistance in blackmailing Uncle Bert. And split the money with him. One. Two. Three. Four. My George, I think I can count the clicks. I think I can do it. With a little more practice, I know I can do it. After that, I'll have everyone just where I want them. <laughs> Been a trial, hasn't it, Fred? From the beginning, when you first discovered that your Uncle Bert was being blackmailed and your own future fortunes threatened. Yes, you were willing to commit murder to prevent it. But the attempted murder backfired, and the blackmailer doubled his price. But now you feel you're in command again, that your little plan will pay off. A few days of practice, and you can tell any phone number now when you hear it being dialed by counting the clicks, remembering the sound pattern. Yes. All you have to do is listen carefully the next time you're with Sid Hocker when he calls his client. Then a great idea hits you. Oh, it's a dangerous one. Something could go wrong. But it's worth considering carefully, isn't it? And it's constantly on your mind in the days that follow. Then on the evening of your appointment with Hocker to pay the rest of the money you promised, you step into the study, find Uncle Bert standing at the window, staring out into the night. It's almost eight, Uncle Bert. Uh, Oh. Freddie. Well, hadn't I better be getting over to Hawker's? You don't have to be there till nine. Perhaps you won't get there at all. You you mean you didn't manage to get the rest of the money? Oh, I got it all right. It's just that I'm not certain I want to turn it over to Hawker's client. Been trying to make up my mind all day. Oh, now look here, Uncle Bert. I know, I I know. If I don't pay up, Mr. Hawker's client will expose me. Perhaps that's what I really want. Get it over with once and for all. Why should I go on paying and paying and paying? You bleed me white. But I thought we'd agreed the other day that you'd go on paying for a while at least and bide your time. He's bound to make a mistake. I could be sure. No, I say pay off this chap. Pay as long as you're able. It's better than the noose. Hmm? I don't know. I don't know. It it, it will take time and money, but it'll be worth it. Perhaps you're right, Freddy. We'll catch up to Mr. Hocker's client. You'll see. All right. Bring the car around. I'll get the money out of the safe. (laughs) Uncle Bert had you worried for a moment, didn't he, Fred? Yes, you saw your entire plan collapse, and all that easy money slipping from your grasp. But suddenly it was all right. Again. And Uncle Bert agreed to go on paying his blackmailer. Now, with the money tucked away in your coat pocket, you drive downtown to Hawker's office. Good evening, Mr. Hawker.
4: Well, 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 Mr. Macklin. Johnny on the spot, eh, and with the
3: money? Johnny on the spot, yes, with the money, no. Uh... What's this? No, you see, Mr. Hocker, Uncle's had a bit of difficulty raising the money.
4: Now, see here, my now, client... All he
3: asks is a few hours. I see. Uh, do you think that will be agreeable to your client, Mr. Hocker? It might
4: be, and then again, it might not.
3: Uh, why don't you ask your client? All right. I will. You sit at the edge of the desk. Try to appear calm as Hocker steps to the telephone and picks it up. You listen carefully as he dials.
4: This is Right. Uh, there's been a delay. Mr. Macklin's having a bit of trouble raising the money. What? Oh, no, no. All he wants is a little more time. Huh? Right. Right. Got it. Uh, let me talk to your client, Mr. Macklin. Yeah, I'll... no, none of that. Well, I only wanted to, to... I'll answer any questions you have. Is that clear? Well, as you wish.
3: You'll just have to call your client again.
4: I can afford it.
3: Well? My uncle is ready to make a settlement. Tonight, He's willing to pay $20,000 if your client will turn over every shred of evidence he holds against my uncle and drop the matter once and for all.
4: 20000 eh? Well, now, uh, that sounds reasonable.
3: Well, uh, suppose you'll see if your client thinks so.
4: Right. But mind you, no tricks.
3: No tricks. You've got to make certain, don't you, Fred? And you listen carefully as he dials the number again. It's the same number he dialed before. It's, it's no mistake. And you're confident now you'll be able to dial that same number when the time comes.
4: Well, Mr. Hawker? It's a grebble. Huh. But my client wants the money delivered here by eleven tonight.
3: Good. I'll see you then, Mr. Hawker. You hurry out of the office, downstairs, into your car. From the glove compartment, you remove a gun. You slip it into your pocket. As you start back, you see Hawker walk out of the building. Head for the parking lot in the rear. Quickly you move after him. Then in the darkness behind the building, you catch up to him as he slides in behind the wheel of his car.
4: Oh, Hawker. Hey? Uh, oh, it's you. Hey, what's the idea of the gun?
3: Move over, hmm? What are you doing? I said move over. Uh, That's a good shot. Now, uh, Start up, Hawker. We're going for a bit of a spin. Oh. Uh, I think this will do, Hawker. A nice, dark, deserted road. Splendid place for a chap, hm?
4: What's the idea?
3: Pull over, old man. All right. Now what? Well, first off, that, that that business about Uncle wanting to make a settlement. That was a bit of a trick on my part, I'm afraid. What? Yes, you see, I, I was merely interested in having you dial that phone again. What are you talking about? I had to make certain I had the right number. You see, Hawker, by simply listening to the dial as it spins, counting the number of... Clicks. You mean you can... Oh, yes, yes. I can dial that number again with very little difficulty. Now, are you going to tell me who the blackmailer is? Or must I find out for myself?
4: You don't know yet?
3: Would it be Frank Macklin, by any chance? Let's see. Or Lloyd Gillis, perhaps?
4: Never heard of him.
3: Oh. I don't recognize the number at all. Of course, it could be a booth somewhere or a little hideaway on the pot. I wouldn't know. I see. Well, if you won't cooperate, I shall have to find out by calling. I'm rather certain I'll recognize the voice and I shall be most careful not to reveal my own identity, of course. Well,
4: now that that's settled, what more do you want with me? I know Goody anymore. That's right.
3: However, inasmuch as much as I intend to do business with your client, a sort of partnership arrangement in the near future... So that's
4: it. You're going to be part of the scheme from now on, eh?
3: Yes. And my plans do not include you, I'm afraid. Does that uh, upset you? Yes, I'm sure it does. Now, I shouldn't want you around, Mr. Hocker, to slip the word to dear Uncle Bert and tell him what I'm doing. Here, yeah. what do you mean? Well, it's obvious, quite obvious, isn't it, old man? No, no, wait! No, I'm wait. sorry, Mr. Hocker. As you so aptly put it, you ain't no good to me anymore. more. It's done, isn't it, Fred? Hocker is dead. The threat has been removed. And he lies buried in a shallow grave on the outskirts of town. Now all you have to do is call the blackmailer. And once you've learned his identity without revealing your own, you expect to approach him again later, cautiously. Inform him of your plan for a partnership to continue to blackmail your uncle together. And you're he won't refuse. Because you then reveal his identity to Uncle Bert. You drive back to town park Hocker's car in the lot behind his office building and then hurry upstairs. As you sit at Hocker's desk, you glance at your watch and a smile covers your face. Yes, you're confident now that you've made the right decision, aren't you? Hello, Freddy. But Uncle Bert. What are you doing here? Looking for Sid Hawker. I thought I might persuade him to tell me who the blackmailer is, confirm my suspicions. But this... Oh, no, no, no Uncle Bert, you put that gun away... Hocker's not here. So I see. Delivering the money to his client, I suppose. Um, yes. I think you should know, Freddie, that I contacted the police tonight. You what? Yes. I told the police why I was being blackmailed. That I killed a man some time ago. I was going to give myself up. But I was going to get the blackmailer first. That's why I came here. I was sure Hawker could lead me to the blackmailer. But I, I I thought that... I was going to go on paying? No. I decided against that shortly after you left the house tonight. Oh, really? Well, that... Uh... That wasn't very clever. No, and you're going to regret it, Freddy. Oh, what? Oh, I've suspected for a long time you were behind all this. Why? Well, that, that, that's ridiculous. Is it? it? Let's see if my hunch is right. Empty your pockets. Uh, my, my pockets? I'll give you three. Now oh, no, no, wait, wait. One, a moment. two. Yeah, all right, all right. That's better. Yeah. Well, yeah. you do have the money. My hunch was right. right. I can explain. So Harker paid off his client, eh? I'm not If, if, if you will only listen. You no, know, I him. could forgive you stealing money from me, but not blackmailing me, Freddy. Oh, no, you know you don't understand this. I haven't blackmailed you. Look, I, 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 I'll find the blackmailer for you. None of your tricks. Put that phone down. Well, then, let me call a number. I swear you'll hear the blackmailer's voice with your own ears. I'm not that stupid. Me fall for a trick like that? And it is a trick, isn't it, Freddy? If you want to catch me off guard? Get close enough to me so you can get this gun. No, it's not a trick. We'll see. But you'd better not try any tricks. I'll listen in, yes. But on this extension phone over here. Remember, Freddy, I'll have this gun on you. I've already confessed one murder to the police. Another one won't matter much. Go ahead. Make your call. Everything depends on this phone call, doesn't it, Fred? Your hand is steady, sure, as you dial. You know, there can't be any mistake. that this is the number Hocker called. You're certain it's the phone number of his client, the blackmailer.
5: At the tone, the time will be ten, nine, and forty seconds.
3: Hawker. Hawker was the blackmailer all the time. No. It was you, Freddy. That phone call you just made was a trick. And, uh... Very stupid one.
6: No. Oh. No, Uncle Bert, wait. Shut. At the tone. The time will be ten. ten eight,
2: Whistle be your signal for the Signal Oil program The Whistler each Sunday night at this same time. Signal Oil Company has asked me to remind you that there's an easy way we can all help to make this holiday season happier for ourselves and others. Drive at sensible speeds, be courteous, and obey traffic regulations. It may save a life, possibly your own. in tonight's story were Bill Foreman, Ben Wright, Ed Begley, Constance Cavendish, and Ted DiCorsio. The Whistler was produced and directed by George W. Allen, with story by Adrian John Doe, music by Wilbur Hatch, and was transmitted to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. The Whistler is entirely fictional, and all characters portrayed on The Whistler are also fictional. Any similarity of names or resemblance to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Remember, at the same time next Sunday, another strange tale by The Whistler. Marvin Miller speaking for the Signal Oil Company. Stay tuned now for Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, which follows immediately over most of these stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
1: Stay tuned for Life with Luigi, next on Theatre of the Mind. Time now to hear from that little immigrant from Italy, Luigi Basco. And the episode first aired in 1948, the PTA meeting.
3: Chicago, we invite you to enjoy life. Life with Luigi, a new comedy show created by Cy Howard and starring Jay Carroll Nash. When Luigi Vasco
2: left Italy to start his new life in America He promised his mother that he would write her and tell her about his adventures So now we look over Luigi's shoulder as he writes another letter to Mama Vasco in Italy
7: Dear Mamma Mia How you like the news from England Princess Elizabeth, she have a little boy So now England, she's a really a mother country in the last letter, you say you're surprised my English writing is so good. i can explain to you why. First thing, when I come to Chicago, I go to night school at night.
6: <laughs>
7: I wish, you, Mama Mia, you could see my teacher, Miss Spaulding. She's got beautiful eyes like a Mediterranean. Her hair is gold like a sun over Alps. And her shape... Mamma Mia If Italy is in a such a good shape They don't need a Marshall Plan.
6: <laughs> so you see,
7: Mamma Mia I'm studying very hard Because I don't want to be like our countryman Pasquale Who bring me here He is here 26 years And all he knows is two words money and Rosa
6: <laughs>
7: Is it too bad that she is not worth her weight in gold? She's so fat, the Mamma Mia, that if a fellow marries her, he is a commit to bigamy.
6: <laughs>
7: but this morning, I'm not thinking about Pasquale Rosa. I'm talking to my 12-year-old general manager, Jimmy O'Connor, who is like my son. And I'm helping him with his lessons before he goes to school. I say to him, what are you doing, Jimmy?
8: An algebra problem. It's pretty tough, too.
7: Stop looking for the answer in the back of the book. He's not honest. Read me the question, and I give you the answer.
8: But is it honest if you figure out the answer for me? No not worry, I won't. <laughs> but
7: I try. Is all common sense? Now, read me a question.
8: Okay. If Tom can dig a ditch in two hours, and Harry can dig the same ditch in one hour, how long would it take Tom and Harry if they dig together? Oh. What
7: answer it gives in the back of the book?
8: <laughs> and you told me not to look.
7: That's right. We use the common sense. If Harry digs the hole in two hours, uh, no, Tom digs the hole in two hours. The same thing. Later they're going to dig the hole together, so it makes no difference.
8: <laughs> well, never mind, boss. I'll figure it out in school.
7: Never put off it, Jimmy. Is a bad habit. We figure out by common
8: sense. Tom digs a hole in two hours. Harry digs the same hole in one hour. Right. How long would it take Tom and Harry if they dig together? It's
7: <laughs> a funny thing. What's funny? Just two weeks ago was election.
8: Harry stands
7: still and Tom digs his own
6: hole.
7: <laughs> I'm sorry, Jimmy. Maybe it's a little hard to figure out by common sense.
8: Oh, that's okay, Mr. Luigi. You help me with my American history.
7: It's my favorite subject. Jimmy, you're a lucky boy you're born here.
8: Boss, do you really wish you were born
7: in America? Yes. And next time I born, I know better.
6: <laughs>
7: Jimmy is getting late. You better go in back, have a glass of milk, and go to school. Okay. Well, I think I dust off my antiques. No, better I put dust on antiques. Make them look older. <laughs>
5: Hello, Mr. Luigi
7: Good morning, my teacher, Miss Spaulding It's a big pleasure to see you
5: I was on my way to school, so I thought I'd drop in for a minute
7: It's a wonderful idea Look how whole place will light up because you're here Please, sit down on this Teddy Roosevelt rocking chair Why do you call it a Teddy Roosevelt
5: rocking chair? It has no arms and it's rather hard Teddy
7: Roosevelt was a rough rider
6: <laughs>
5: Well, I'll take this chair, it seems more comfortable Fine,
7: He's also a good chair American mahogany, Duncan Five style.
5: Good. Then I can be patriotic and comfortable at the same time.
7: Is uh, it all right if I sit next to you? Well, certainly it's all right. Thank you. Ah. How's the business, Miss Balding?
6: <laughs>
5: well, teaching school can hardly be called a business.
7: But it must be a wonderful thing to be a teacher. Everybody, they love you. They respect you. I bet to you all the kids in your class, they're crazy about you.
5: Yes, but they have a quaint way of showing it. What do you mean? Well, Mr. Basco, did you ever spend a day dodging spitballs? Or did you ever shake hands with a piece of bubble gum? Or were you ever hit by a jet-propelled eraser? Miss spoiling
7: your life! She's in danger.
5: (laughs) Well, it's not as serious as that, Mr. Basco.
7: Well, if the kids do bad things, you tell me, Miss Spaulding. I teach them respect. Oh, no, Mr. Luigi, we don't use force. Then how you punish them?
8: Well, occasionally
5: we keep them after school.
7: Miss Spaulding, do me a favor. Please punish me, huh? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
6: <laughs> 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 ha, now,
7: that's better. Don't be sad no more. All you need, Miss Spaulding, is same thing everybody needs. Somebody who's saying nice things especially if somebody is a nicer fellow. Uh, if I'm a ten years younger, Miss Spalding, and if I have a big store like Marshall and Fields, then I buy you the whole store and the school and I give you for Christmas a present. Then I go there every day and I hold your hand like this and I say, good morning, my beautiful teacher, Miss Spalding.
5: Mr. Luigi, I could kiss
8: you for that. I finished my mouth. Jimmy, go back
5: and drink two more quarts. I didn't know you were here, Miss Spaulding. Yes, yes, sir. so I am. I, I I just dropped in. In fact, I'm leaving. Uh, that's right. We'll walk to school together, Mr. Luigi. I mean, Jimmy.
7: Sure. <laughs> Goodbye, my teacher, Miss Spaulding.
5: Goodbye, Mr. Luigi. Will I see you this afternoon?
7: you see me any time you like, Miss Spaulding.
5: I mean, at the PTA meeting.
7: PTA? Are you on a relief, for Miss Spaulding? <laughs>
6: No,
5: PTA means Parent Teacher's Association. Didn't you give Mr. Luigi one of those notices, Jimmy?
7: Uh, I forgot. Why do you forget such a thing, Jimmy? Should I go, Miss Spaulding? But, boss, it's it's mostly mothers. So what? I'm like a mother to you, Jimmy. Miss Spaulding, is it true that is all the mothers at the PTA?
5: Well, the odds are that you'll be the only man among 30 or 40 ladies. That's on the lot.
7: <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I dust my statues. See you this afternoon at the meeting.
5: Jimmy, why didn't you tell Mr. Luigi about the PTA meeting? I just told you. I forgot. You're not ashamed of him, are you,
8: Jimmy? No, of course not. It's only this. That... that what? Oh, nothing, Miss Falling. You better tell me, Jimmy. Well, it's just that you don't know Mr. Luigi like I do. What do you mean? If there's more than two people around, he thinks it's his duty to make a speech.
5: That isn't true, Jimmy. Oh, yes, it
8: is. At the July 4th ball game between our scout teams, he made us stop the game so he could read the preamble to the Constitution. And this was with three men on base. <laughs> I think that's very commendable. And you should hear those speeches he makes to the statues. Yesterday, I heard him talk to the statue of Patrick Henry all about liberty and death. At the end of an hour, I swear I heard Patrick Henry say, Give me death! (laughs) Well, I'm sure no such thing will happen this afternoon. Don't be too sure, Miss Balling. He's so good-natured and he's so happy to be invited someplace that he'll wind up serving the food, making a speech, taking tickets at the door, and finding out if the people are related to the signers of the Declaration of Independence. (laughs) I
5: just don't believe it, Jimmy. Mr. Luigi just wants to participate in civic activities. He wants to feel that he belongs. The PTA meeting this afternoon will help round him out. Sure. And
8: flatten out everyone else.
2: Luigi, my friend. Hello, Luigi. Hello, hello. (laughs) Hello,
7: Pasquale. I come over to ask you a little favor. Sure, everybody who comes to my spaghetti palace, they call it a favor at the place. What do you want? I have to go to Jimmy's school this afternoon. What's the matter? The kid in the trouble? No, I must make speech. Then are the whole school's in the trouble. <laughs> what the for you want to make a speech? You don't understand, Pasquale. Is parent-teachers association. What's the matter? You're crazy. In the first place, you're no parent. In the second place, you're no teacher. Then I must be association. <laughs> You go too many places, uh, Luigi. Always a running like a little mouse. <laughs> Stay home mind your own business. Is uh, my business what happened in school? Who asked you to make the speech? Jimmy? No. Is it Spalding? No. Is uh, my own idea? <laughs> You're to make a speech? <laughs> Well, what's this so funny? Listen, Luigi, right now, everything she's a fire between the United States and Italy. You make a speech, and the whole of war starts up again. <laughs> Please, keep your mouth shut. It's a free speech in the United States, or so I speak? In the second place, Luigi, this meeting is for ladies, not for men. Or what before you go? Maybe I meet the nice American lady. It's only mothers ago, go, not the single ladies. So is maybe nice widow lady. Widow lady? What's the matter with my daughter, Rosa? She's not a widow. <laughs> you marry her now. We see what happens later.
2: <laughs>
7: Pasquale, I'm not to come to talk about Rosa. Luigi, my friend, why you don't want to marry my Rosa? Just because she's a little bit chubby? A little bit? Mama mia! If I marry Rosa, is a marriage is a project.
6: <laughs>
7: but no more talk about Rosa. All right, all right. Do We don't talk about Rosa. Thank you, Pasquale. Luigi, uh, uh, is it not the parent the which a meeting of the children's mothers? Maybe, but uh, Jimmy, he was born twelve years ago. He has no mother. Rosa, could it be his mother? She's twelve years too late.
6: <laughs> then what do you want from
7: me? When I go to meeting, please take care of my story. All right, all right. I said a roast. More oh, no. Is it like a bull and china shop? Never mind. I close up a place I put outside to help for yourself. Goodbye, Pasquale. Hey, 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 hey. Wait, wait, for Luigi. You're going to go to a PTA meeting like this? What's wrong? What's wrong? Look at the way you look. Look at your suit. You're the only fellow in Chicago who's wearing a greener jacket with a six buttons in the front and a belt in the back.
6: <laughs>
7: and look at your pants. Where's the crease? Only bumps. That's uh, from uh, keeping a pants under a mattress I don't have other suits Then uh, stay home Why, well, you must always uh, go places Maybe you're right, Pasquale Maybe I should buy a new suit But I do got get the money Pasquale No, I only lend the money to son-in-law
6: <laughs> <laughs> That's
7: uh, the trouble Whenever you lend the money, it's got a strings attached. Ross's apron strings. All right, go ahead go to meet and let the fine American ladies a laugh at a Luigi Bosco. Sure, even a gym is a shame to you. It's not true. Jim is a no shame. Then why Miss Spaulding invite you, not the gym? Jimmy forget, that's why. Sure, sure. Well, it don't bother me. I'm going to lend you no money. Only suit I buy you is a wedding suit.
6: <laughs>
7: what do you say, my son? Go buy it, Papa. <laughs> Excuse me, is this place you sell suits?
3: Yes. You have suits here for speech-making? Oh, yes, indeedy. Just had a shipment returned from the Republican National Committee.
6: <laughs>
7: good. Show me suit that's good for speech-making. Oh, uh, you want something in tail? I'm going to make a speech and not hang it from tree. Uh, yes. Uh, but will you give me some idea? Do you like this suit I'm wearing? If I take your suit, then you'll have to go home in underwear.
3: No, what I mean is, do you like this pattern? It's a herringbone. Herringbone? That's right. This
7: is a fine country where they make suits from herringbones. <laughs> Must take a lot of little herring. I've never counted them. Perhaps you'd like, uh, perhaps you'd like a businessman's suit. You mean he lend me his suit? I like my own place. Uh, well, sir, for what purpose do you want this suit? I have to make speech at PTA meeting this afternoon. Maybe you like to come. Oh, no, thank you. I couldn't stand the excitement. Uh, tell me, is it formal or informal? Is inside in school.
6: <laughs>
7: no, no, I, I mean, do you have to dress? I'm only man there. Of course, I got a dress.
6: <laughs> this
7: is PTA meeting, not Turkish fat. Well, sir, could you go for this suit? It comes with two pairs of pants. Isn't is no good.
2: Uh, I know, two pairs of pants would make your legs look too lumpy.
7: <laughs> then why you try to sell it to me? Because I'm just a great big sneak. <laughs> oh, this is a nice suit here, the Soprano one. But why is pants so short? Because it's a Boy Scout suit, and you get a knife with it. How many blades? I can't tell you it's a military secret. (laughs) Look, please, I like a suit for making speech. You know, for a score and a seven years ago, of course. for why didn't you say so? Here's
3: just the suit for you. It's our Gettysburg Address model.
7: Is it good enough for Abe Lincoln? Is it good enough for Luigi Pascoe? Take it. For the second
2: act of Luigi Vasco's Adventures in Chicago We turn to page two of his letter to his mother in Italy
7: So mamma mia, I buy myself a suit for PTA meeting now all I have to do is pay 50 cents a week. In one year, I own a coat. In one more year, I also own pants. Pants is striped. And the coat is empty in the front, but in back it sweeps the floor. <laughs> it's called a cutaway. This is what I do when I come home after the meeting, because there's enough of material in the back of the coat for an extra pair of pants. <laughs> I also want to bring a present to ladies at the meeting, so. I take a new thing called money order that I get from lady customer and I go to the post office to cash it. Excuse me, you are the postmaster?
2: Yes, I'm in charge of this branch.
7: You're just the man I want to see. I just received this paper from a lady.
2: That's a money order.
7: See, fellow who worked for you in gray suit, he tell me if I bring it here, you'll give me ten dollars. Is it this right?
2: Yes, yes. Uh, have you any identification? What do you mean? Well, something to prove you're Luigi Basco. Have you a driver's license?
7: I don't even have a car. Citizenship papers? I know all the answers to questions, but I must wait a couple of years because. Marriage of... license? I'm a single. If you know a nicer girl, I. Yes,
2: yes, yes. <laughs> How about a birth certificate?
7: Is home in the family Bible. Would you bring that? Can't afford to take a trip to Italy just enough. <laughs> If I did money order for $1,000, then I go and I bring, but for $10, it's... Hmm. Well, uh, you'll have to,
2: uh, you'll have to show me something.
7: What if, uh, if nobody looks, I, I show birthmark on the ankle? No, 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 that won't do. Isn't there some way you can prove that you're Luigi Basco? Mr. Postermaster, every morning when I get up, I look in the mirror, there I am.
2: <laughs> but
7: Mr. Basco, the you rule... It's very simple. I prove the whole thing. Are you Luigi Bosco? Certainly not. That the man over there on the line, are he Luigi Bosco? Probably not. And the lady over there? she Luigi Bosco? I doubt it. Then is left only you and me.
2: <laughs>
7: are you Luigi Bosco? No. Then who are you talking to? I don't know. I'm surprised you don't know me, Mr. Postmaster. But why should I know you? Because all the time I'm in this country, this post office handles all the letters I send.
2: Well, I give up. You're Luigi Basco.
7: Sure, I told you that first. You save a lot of time by not arguing with me.
2: I'll never do it again. Here's your ten dollars. I'm sorry I ever took a civil service examination.
7: Don't feel badly. From now on, I buy all the stamps from this post office. Goodbye. America, I love you. You like a Papa to me. Hello, Pasquale. What do you want now, Luigi? More favor? This time I do you favor. It's about the time. You do me favor, I do you favor. Like Uncle Pietro say, if one hand is dirty, wash both hands. Please, don't bring your relations into this conversation. <laughs> I'm busy. Pasquale, how much you charge for spaghetti? With or without the meatball? Without. Cost more without the meatball. <laughs> Sixty-five cents a plate. Not to buy plate. How much you charge it by inch? What, are you crazy? I never sell it by inch. Then maybe you sell it by foot. No, no. Smallest I sell is a yard. How much is a yard? For you, ten cents. Then how much I get for ten dollars?
2: I think maybe you get a half a mile.
7: <laughs> Let me see. Is it ten cents a yard? Is it ten yards for one dollar? Six. Ten dollars, you get a hundred yards. Okay, give me a hundred yards spaghetti. What do you mean a give? No money, no spaghetti? Maybe I open a charge account with you. Uh, you give me ten dollars a box of cash of money, then you open a charge account. All right, here is a ten dollars. Hey, where you get this? Post office. So when is the post office giving away money? It's a new thing. <laughs> Ladies send me a little piece of paper, I take to post office, I get the money. So now I buy spaghetti. What are you going to do with all this spaghetti? I bring it to PTA meeting. Oh, you're still going to the meeting, eh? Sure. I buy suit, I prepare a speech, and now I bring the spaghetti. I so fine, Luigi. Look, here. I give you a couple of hundred of cards by my restaurant, and you give it to all the ladies. I'm right? a speaker, not a spaghetti salesman. Well, when you speak, talk about this. My speech is about education. <laughs> my spaghetti is very educational, Luigi. But I don't know about spaghetti. I don't even know why they call it spaghetti spaghetti. That's a foolish. It's a long like a spaghetti, taster like a spaghetti. That's why they call it a spaghetti. <laughs> I don't think I do this, Pasquale. I give you ten yards extra, just in case the spaghetti shrinks.
8: Excuse me, is Mr. Basco in? What's the matter? Jimmy, you don't recognize me? A cutaway. Is that you, Mr.
7: Luigi? Sure. Look like a movie star, huh? Where you going? fifty PTA meeting, Jimmy. No! Yes, and I bring them spaghetti and I make a long speech. You and Miss Balding will be so proud of me, you won't know what to do. Oh, I'm late. Goodbye, Jimmy.
8: I know what I'm going to do. Join the Foreign Legion. Hello? Miss Balding, please. It's important. Mama mia. Miss Balding? This is Jimmy O'Connor. It's worse than I thought. He's all dressed up like a pallbearer. And he's going to make a speech as full of statistics and... And he's bringing a pot of spaghetti. Miss <laughs> Balding? Miss
6: Balding! <laughs> oh, really, I think this
5: is
8: wonderful. <laughs> <Afternoon>. <laughs> oh, Miss Balding, this is quite an audience. It looks like the finest PTA meeting we've ever had... What
5: was that, Mrs. Pringle? Yes, I said that it looks like oh, the yes, finest. it does. Good afternoon, Dr. Cartwright.
9: Well, it's nice seeing you again, Mrs. Pringle. I look forward to hearing you speak.
5: Oh, uh, Dr. Cartwright.
9: Yes, Mrs. Wilson? There's a man in a cutaway coat
7: outside with a big pot of spaghetti. Uh,
9: <clears throat> well, it must be a waiter who's made a mistake. Certainly no one here has ordered... Hello!
7: You're Dr. Cartwright, the
9: principal, huh? I am, but I didn't order any food. I bring it. This is my present for PTA meeting. Here. Ouch! <laughs> Excuse me. I put
7: it on the table.
6: <laughs>
7: maybe maybe you don't know me. I'm Luigi
9: Vasco. Do you have a child in this school? Sure. My boy Jimmy O'Connor, he's a pupil here. Hmm, so that's why you came? Also because Miss Spalding invited me to make a speech. Miss Spalding did what? Miss Spaulding?
5: Yes, Dr. Cartwright.
9: Did you invite Mr. Basco? Hello, my teacher, Miss Faulding. Hello,
7: Mr. Luigi. Miss Faulding, I prepare
9: a short speech. Uh, well, Mr. Basco, I'm afraid there won't be any time for your speech. That's all right. I wait. The meeting will come to order. Will the ladies please find seats? Yes. <laughs> Mr. Basco, I must ask you to sit down. I promise Pasquale I give out his cards. Is his spaghetti?
7: Mr. Luigi, how could you? Is all the people here live in the same neighborhood. Maybe they give Pasquale a little business. Is something wrong, Miss Fulton? No,
5: no, everything's just fine. That's
9: the way I feel it, too. I shall turn the chair over to our good friend, your chairman, Mrs. Wilson. If he
7: turn over the chair, she would fall down. <laughs>
5: Good afternoon, ladies. Me too. Yes, of course.
7: Uh, Now, before we proceed, is there any old business? I have all the business. Antiques.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Um,
7: Our first speaker
5: is Mrs. Nelson Pringle. She will speak on um, our school system.
8: Spaghetti is getting cold. We must have order. A great many of you may not like
5: what I have to say particularly about this school. As you know, my son is a pupil here, and I must say, from personal observation, I should think that our teachers here must recognize the need for greater discipline. If there is rowdyism, and we know there is, if our children find their excitement in the street, then I think our teachers are at fault. And I propose... Please,
9: i like you to say something.
5: We don't matter uh, all. Rindy. I had the floor. We must have orders. Mr.
9: Gasco, please go quietly and quickly. First I speak. Then I go. That's the person who brought the spaghetti.
6: Oh.
7: <laughs> yes, uh, uh,
9: ladies are right. I bring spaghetti.
7: Is because I think maybe you like. I make a mistake. I don't do this again. Excuse me. But it's not important now anyway. Is important what the ladies say about teachers. I'm only in this country a little while, and I don't know about schools like a lady. Also, only teacher I know is Miss Folding. And it's not her fault when the kids fight. Maybe it's a parent's fault, not teachers, when the kids fight too much. If my Jimmy come home with a black eye, that's my fault. I don't teach Jimmy right, but I try. I tell him this is a wonderful country because all kinds of people here and children of all kinds of people. Little children, they don't know what it means to hate, to hurt. They learn about this from us, not from a teacher. All little children know it is love. So it's up to us, all the people, to show them. It's like all the same. Apples don't fall far from tree. We show them at home, we explain, then they know. That's the why. If it's bad, the children is not teachers a fault. It is sometimes parents a fault. Hello, Jimmy.
8: Hello, Mr. Luigi. Gee, you didn't stay long.
7: I think maybe too long.
8: Did you make your speech?
7: No. You're smart, boy, Jimmy. You know what was going to happen at the PTA meeting, huh?
8: No, boss, I... Was it really bad?
7: It was worse than that, Jimmy. I make a bigger fool. Hey,
5: Luigi.
7: Hello, Miss Spaulding. I'm sorry. I... I make you so ashamed.
5: Ashamed? You were wonderful. Your speech was inspiring.
7: But I think I look so foolish in this suit. Well, it was a little too formal. Boss, I'm proud of you. I'm glad, Jimmy. And you know something? I was the only mother in cutaway (laughs) coat. So, dear Mamma Mia, I'm a now member Parent Teachers Association. From now on I go to all meetings. Who can tell? Maybe next year I become a president. Then I'll be first the president of a women's club. Also, Mamma Mia, I sell my cutaway coat to Pasqual. He is putting a suit in a roses hope chest. <laughs> One more thing. Today, I'm sending a letter to men with the problem. How long does it take for Tom and Harry to dig a hole if they dig a hole together? I'm sending this letter to only men who knows the answer. John L. Lewis. The son of the week.
9: Be sure to listen next week at this same time over most of these
3: stations when Luigi Basco writes another letter to Mama Basco describing his adventures in America. Life with Luigi is a Cy Howard production and is written by Highcraft and Cy Howard and stars J. Carol Nash as Luigi Basco with Alan
2: Reed as Pasquale. Music is under the direction of Wilbur Hatch.
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, this is your FBI, followed by The Life of Riley. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.